Disney Pictures presents a motion picture fantasy adventure beyond your fondest imagination. You'll be transported miraculously back to the enchanted land of Oz, that magical kingdom beloved by young and old for generations. It's just a yellow brick. No, Marina, you don't understand. This was the yellow brick road. You'll share with Dorothy Gale the shock of finding everything mysteriously changed. What's happened to everybody? And you'll delight with her discovery of four wonderful new friends who band together against a wicked queen and the dreaded Gnome King. This is the Oz you haven't seen before. And this is the Oz you want to visit again and again. From Walt Disney Pictures comes a whole new world of entertainment. I don't just fly back to Kansas. Return to Oz. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, good. good to be here. Good to be here. Excited to talk about this It's a movie. lovely sunny day in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Ah, Yes. I, th- me and this movie go back Can't very wait to talk far. About it. Uh, but everybody out there listening, my name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that made us gay. gay. Yay. Whew. Scott, let's talk about it. What do we got? We, we had it with a returning guest back on the show, Golden. Golden. Golden oh, Gunville. Gun- Welcome back Golden to Gunville. the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me again. We were last here to talk about Heathers, and you return today because we're going to get into Return to Oz from 1985. Yes, indeed. Yes, we are hunty. <laughs> this movie, I mean... I mean, it's an important episode because we're sort of like... Uh, stepping into the waters of the Wizard of Oz, which is a big property that's very close to the gay community's heart. And it's kind of interesting that we chose to do sort of the backdoor entrance to Oz with Return to Oz. But I'm into it, though. I'll take the rear entrance anytime. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I, I'm down. Whatever. Let's do it. I mean, I think a certain generation of people, there are tons of people of a certain age that this movie just kind of scarred for life. Am I wrong? Uh, 100%. And I am one of those people that has been scarred. I yeah. Mean, I, I, my mom, like, she knew that, like, when I was a kid, you know, a toddler, I would hold the whole entire family hostage, making them watch Wizard of Oz, the original, mm-hmm. on, on like, these, like, the, the not even laser discs, those big-ass discs they had back in the day, because we oh. only had one TV. So I would, I would demand that I would watch this movie, and everybody had to do it at least once a day. <laughs> and then, when this movie came out, she was like, yay, I can take him to the theater to see the new one. So she took me and my cousin to it. And you know the scene um, with Mombi and the Wheelers? Yes. I, mean. I was, like, <laughs> hysterically crying. I was having a fit. I was 
dying. She had to actually pull me out of the theater, uh, calm me down. Removed from like, the theater. <laughs> yes. But I finished it in the end, but still. But this movie is like definitely made a mark in my uh, childhood. Yeah, I think it did for a lot of people. It it's I mean, it's not a horror movie. It's made for children and for families, but I think it just has this really interesting dark kind of grimy aesthetic mm-hmm. to it that I I mean as an adult I think is so cool. Yeah, you can appreciate it a lot more now than probably yeah. it was back then. Uh, I I love the art direction of, you know, of the wheelers of Mombi, the costumes. And I think the you know, not the problem, but I think one of the things is that we as you know, uh, American culture are so attached to the 1939 Wizard of Oz that this movie, I mean, do we even call it a sequel? I think it's in its own universe. A sister, yeah. <laughs> a, mere, a mere universe. Yeah, it's a distant relative. Yeah. And so that- it, it was difficult for people to kind of latch on to because people expected, hey, it's a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. Let's go. And it's like while a faithful to an extent, adaptation to the novels, but the books are crazy to begin with. But I, I don't know. I It was scary at the time, but as an adult, I appreciate it so much for what it is in just really cool and interesting art direction, uh, things that they went out on a limb to make these characters really fun and, and um, interesting to look at. I love it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. This is a movie that I don't know if I watched this as a kid. This is probably a movie that I didn't really watch until fairly recently, Mm -hmm. but I knew about it because I would see it at the video store, and I want to say it was in my stack of videotapes that I got from my uncle, but I don't actually remember watching it. Right. Now, I am a couple of years younger than Feruza Balk, so to me, seeing Dorothy be a child and not a teenager... Mm-hmm. That was something that I was like, okay, I that was my in to the movie. I'm like, okay, she's about my she's age. Really she's really good in this A couple too. of years older than me. So that was me putting myself in Dorothy's shoes and her ruby slippers. And that was why I latched onto it so much. Because as a little kid, I was like, yes, this movie's for me. Um, love for Rosa Balk in this. <laughs> no, she was, she's brilliant. You know, she is, she's actually very underrated. I wish she was working more. Yeah, Today. definitely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially at a role that is so intimidating for a child that I think that she was cast in this movie when she was 10. It's just like yeah. you're acting these scenes with these puppeteers, Feruza and that goddamn chicken that she's just kind <laughs> don't of don't you it. don't you dare come for my Bellina, okay? <laughs> but it's just like I love me some Bellina. Yeah. She is my queen, my icon, my diva. I love just Feruza for just acting the scene with this chicken and she's so good. Yeah. No, but seriously, like, she had, like, she was acting, like, I mean, at least, like, Judy Garland was acting with actual actors yes. when she was doing this. Yes. Fruza's, like, I realized, watching it again today, like, she just is doing it all with all these, like, puppets and yeah. whatever they did. There are hardly any other human faces that it's she's interacting with. It's a lot to ask with. for a child, yeah. kind of doing a role with this much expectation that you're playing Dorothy Gale. Yes, yeah. And she kind of carries the movie. Too. I mean, she totally does. Yeah. It's on her little teeny tiny shoulders. We'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about Belina, that voice, that like shady Belina. <laughs> like <laughs> she's just thrown out zingers left and right. Queen like, of shade, Belina. Um, yes, queen of shade. I think right off the bat, what makes this movie so different than the 1939 version is the realism. And mm-hmm. I know it's mm-hmm. a crazy, wacky, you know, fantasy movie with witches 
pulling their heads off and talking pumpkins. But it is very realistic in that those early Kansas scenes, that farm just in a plane. It's a world that feels lived in and inhabited. But to me, I looked at that farm and I was just like, oh, my God, if I lived on in this little shack with my aunt and uncle with nothing around us, I would lose my mind. I would go crazy, too. Well, sweetie, I got to tell you, as somebody who has grown up in South Dakota and is now currently <laughs> living in Kansas, that is the actual reality I've seen with that my own two eyes. Yeah, it just it's seems truth, crazy. Um, it starts off with Dorothy just straight up PTSD. It's been six months and she is like going through it. She cannot sleep. You know, I love though. The the farmhouse is like half done, and I'm thinking to myself, "Damn, it's been six months, and they haven't like rebuilt this farmhouse." But the real like story is that like Uncle Henry like broke his leg, but that healed it. But he's still kind of being like a lazy like layabout, and like they're having problems. Like Aunt Em is like, "He's fine. He's just lazy. He's not fixing this house." So like everybody's all jacked up at the beginning of this. Like their marriage is falling apart. Dorothy like is, has like a sleep paralysis demon. Like that's too much. But the one thing I got to say though, that I got to bring it back to the original, like at the end of the movie of the original, like they're all, the house is clearly it's fine. intact. Yeah, it's intact. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you got all the people jumping in like the scarecrow and mm-hmm. the tin man, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I mean, I do think this is like a very realistic way that they did it with, um, you know, cause I mean, honestly, that, going through a tornado would be a very traumatic oh, yeah. experience for anybody. Yeah. I wonder where they found Dorothy after the events of the movie or the first story in her bed. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The, the, the movie kind of introduces the whole, like it, it was just a dream element. Right. And I feel yeah. like don't the books kind of treat it as it's really happening to her. I honestly, I, I tried to read the books once and yeah. I, I was like, no, thank you. Bye. I, yeah. I thought, I saw Silver Slippers. Silver Slippers. I was not having it. I read the first one, but I feel like I was in like the fifth grade. Yeah, and that was it. And that was it. It's not the movie, Mama. Yeah, it's not the movie. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, this movie in pieces. It's a it's a sequel. It's trying to hold on to things, but I think just so that audiences can latch on to to elements from what we know and remember. I almost feel like that was those were things that the director just sort of had to concede the Disney with. Of that, I'm going to yeah. put these elements in because it's going to help sell it. That's kind yeah. of a kind of an interesting place to start with the director Walter Murch. And if you're a big film dork like me, you'll know Walter Murch because he is an Academy Award winning movie and sound editor. That okay. um, he has this huge career. He's worked with Anthony Miguel a lot. He edited movies like The English Patient, Cold Mount- Mountain, Talented Mr. Ripley. So oh. very respected in the industry. And this is one of the few things that he directed. And also Disney has been kind of – they bought the rights to the books in like the 50s. So this is material that Disney has been circling around at this time when they made it in the mid-80s for decades. Yeah, And they finally made this movie in the early 80s, and the production was very troubled. It went very over budget. Walter Murch was almost replaced, and then he was brought back on. He had his buddies like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg sort of vouch for him and just say that this guy can do this movie. You should let him sort of make the vision that he wanted to. And then he was brought back on 
and they made it. And Disney kind of, they kind of threw them under the bus at the end. Like they yeah. kind of shafted the release. It didn't do that well because I don't think that they really had the money to spend on the marketing. And they had changed studio heads multiple times during the production of this movie. So just sort of the behind the scenes drama, drama of this movie, it kind of just sounded like they went through a lot to yeah. make this particular vision. And it didn't do very well at the no. time in theatrically, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that everybody's seen. I think when it came, when it came out on video, you know, for a movie that was released in 1985, it probably took a minute for it to get released on video on VHS, but this is the dawn of home video rental. So this is when kids like we were renting it nonstop. You know, if you had the Disney channel and a VCR, you could record it off of the, you know, off the Disney Channel, watch it over and over again. So while it was not a box office success, it became like an instant cult classic almost, right? Absolutely, yeah. In part because of how creepy it was, but, (laughs) you know. And also this was a time in the early to mid-80s that you would see a lot of movies like this, like The Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, yeah. the Henson Company just making these crazy animatronics, yeah. puppets, and just kind of a two-hour showcase of all of it, too. Yeah. You would see that a lot. And kids like However, to be scared. No, uh, Yeah, totally. No, I mean, um, my family, like I said, we had like one television back in the day because I'm mm-hmm. older than y'all, probably. <laughs> uh, like... I watched The Shining and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre at five. Right. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I'm telling you that yeah. uh, that if, if there was if there was some movie to watch, the whole family watched it together. Yeah, but yeah, I kind of came from that uh, era. Like my parents were separated, and so when I would visit my dad, he would they he was very much like if him and my uncle rented a movie, we were just all going to watch it because that was yeah. If we weren't yeah. watching that one, we were sitting on the kitchen counter watching a tiny black and white tv so <laughs> so we all watched movies that we probably had no business watching at you know seven or eight years old yeah <laughs> although this we did have business watching it it was disney it was mm-hmm. wizard of oz come on <laughs> uh, I, I i gotta disagree this this is like a pg-13 this is not a g-rated movie yeah. this is uh, i mean I, I for me after watching those movies and then having me burst out into tears, yeah, hysterically crying, that says something about yeah. how like dark this movie can get for people. You know, I mean, at least for me and my experience, true, definitely doesn't handle its viewers with like kit gloves, right? I mean, at the beginning of the movie, like we said, Dorothy kind she kind of actually does have PTSD from this experience of Oz. It's been six months; she can't stop talking about it. And Aunt M and Uncle Henry, they're uh, resolution to this is electroshock therapy. Yeah. Right? I mean, they see this ad in the newspaper for like this fabulous new, you know, uh, wonder drug or whatever, wonder cure. And they take they take her on their little like horse and buggy like stagecoach <laughs> all the way into town. And this is that realism that I'm talking about, you know? Yeah, no, totally. The Wizard yeah. of Oz is like clearly in a soundstage with painted backdrops, which is charming and lovely. And this is what we love about it, that you can yeah. see the back wall and probably reach out and touch it if you're on stage with the actors. But this movie doesn't do that. This movie chooses wide open spaces, real countryside, 
they're on this buggy and it just looks like oh my god that's scary did you notice um on that little clipping that they have of the electroshock therapy there's like like a like a woman mm-hmm. like witchy Oh, sure, sure, sure. The the shape of the woman yeah, kind of cut out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all that stuff really kind of – and that harkens back to the old movie. When we get to the doctor, Dr. Worley's like Victorian mansion that has – that's this like insane asylum or whatever for his like shock therapy machine. We get introduced to Dr. Worley um, right off the bat who's the one who – you know, he's all about this electroshock therapy. He shows this like crazy steampunk – you know, machine with this little face on it. And we get introduced to the nurse. Nurse Wilson. She's kind of fierce, though. She's got this, like, Professor McGonagall dress. Like, <laughs> I love how witchy she is. Played by Jean Marsh. And you might remember Jean Marsh from Willow. She's the oh. she's the fierce sorceress in Willow. Yeah. Who's the, she's um, Queen Bev Morda. She's uh, the mother to Joanna Wardley. Wow, I need to rewatch that to see that. But she, she honestly, she, it, honestly, she should have got like a a Golden Globe, and so should <laughs> Belina. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they are they are the, the MVPs of this movie. I mean, they those, really are. Those shoulders alone, the pointy I shoulder. Mean, yeah, the costume design was on point. So before. cool. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like her costume, obviously harkens back to the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, in the shape, the style, but it's, of course, period. And these scenes are something that people, I feel like, obviously, the wheelers are scary. Obviously, Mombi taking off her head, you know, the Gnome King, like, disintegrating, all that. But Dorothy, nine years old, strapped to a gurney. Yeah. Being wheeled into the room. And a thunderstorm. That, to me, I'm like, oh, holy shit. No, that was intense. Yeah. Intense. That's scary. And she's just like, what is that? Like, is it going to hurt? And the doctor's like, no, it's fine. (laughs) These are people that have harnessed the power of electricity to run their light bulbs for like a year. Maybe. Let's let's send it through your brain. Yeah. And now we're using it on your body. What the hell? Because he clearly states that in a few months, it's going to be 1900. So it's, it's 1899. You know, electricity is brand new, brand spanking new, and already mm-hmm. they're just like, bite on this, you know, leather bit. We're going <laughs> to shock you. <laughs> and then you'll be sleeping like a baby. Well, of course you will. So have had a lobotomy. Yeah, it's pretty much just blatant child abuse disguised as uh, medicine. Yeah. So Dorothy meets this mysterious little girl. In the ward, who we we never find out who she. Well, I guess we kind of find out who she is. Dubbed voice. Yeah, I read that her voice was dubbed because the actress was British and her her accent was a little too heavy. Oh wow! So if, yeah, if you if you watch it, her voice sounds a little ADR. It sounds like it's not quite uh, live. However, I gotta say though, mm-hmm. I feel like that adds to like the dreamlike quality sure. of her yeah. character. Yeah. For sure. Because she kind of shows up out of nowhere. She yeah. shows up in Dorothy's room. You know, she kind of helps out. She's like this little guardian angel character. But I, I want to get to their escape from this escape scene is harrowing <laughs> of these little girls jumping in this river. And 
Feruza has said in interviews that she did all of her own stunts. So those that is those little girls in that this flooded, raging in that raging <laughs> gross river. Uh, I, I as somebody who has actually I lived near a river back mm-hmm. in my day. Um, very much like Feruza, I have jumped <laughs> in those waters. I know that it is very terrifying because that current can take you and. You have no idea where you're going to go with it. I I just want to like kind of speak up on behalf of Nurse Wilson. Here she is, medical professional in charge of minors who have now run away in a lightning storm and are running to a swelling river. And they'd rather get in the river than go with her. And I understand that she's scary and she's a formidable woman and all of that, but she is in charge of them. While their parents or their guardians have like left them in her care, so th- she's chasing them with her orderlies. Like, don't run towards the river. But like, all of a sudden, she's the wicked witch because she's just like trying. I mean, I understand she's trying to electrocute them. Okay, you are like a uh, uh, Miss uh, Nurse Wilson apologist. I am. I don't know why you're defending her so much. She's a bitch. Okay, she is. She's but horrible. She takes I that mean, lunch pail away. Uh, hello, I would have jumped in the river too with Dorothy and Ozma. Okay, like that's rude. But how cool is it when Nurse Wilson jumps in the river? And her dress is billowing up around her, and she looks like the Wicked Witch melting sure. into the water. I didn't, I, I didn't immediately get that, that yeah. visual. I got that visual sure. when I was six years old watching this. Love In the theater. Loved. I was like, oh, she's the Wicked Witch. She's, she's melting into the river. I immediately thought that was so cool. So this is the other thing about Oz and how you get there. It's very much like Narnia. There's not just like one way to get there. Right? All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tornado in the first one. It's a roaring river because we know that all rivers that lead out of Kansas run into the open water, mm. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> Kansas is so close to the ocean. There's so many, so many oceans <laughs> <laughs> right adjacent to Kansas. That's the, a cool shot. The shoreline. That's a cool shot of her little box in the ocean. Though. Yeah, her little like crib just mm-hmm. like in the water. Yeah, no, no, that little crate thingy that she was in. When she does wake up, and now the water is just like brown and gross around her. When she does wake up, this is when we get Belina, our favorite Queen of Shade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I was just trying to lay my head. That's all. Belina. Who else? What are you doing here? Have you been here all night too? <laughs> Oh, I've never been so wet in my whole life. Hmm. How big is this pond, anyway? I don't think it's a pond, Melina. I guess it is a pond. Hmm. Told you so. The library is always <laughs> open with that chicken. I love this voice actor. What other stuff has she done? This, the choices that she makes to do this chicken voice. And I immediately go back to um, the season two Drag Race challenge with the fried chicken. And Raven <laughs> is like, chicken oh, or what? I got I to gotta act like a chicken. And why didn't she just like... <laughs> Welcome to another home fried meal, courtesy of Disco Extra Greasy Shortening. 
<laughs> Disco chicken. I think I could sell ice to an Eskimo, but not dress as chicken. And I think she should have just she should have just remembered Return to Oz and just be Belina and all you know. No, I mean honestly, I need a sequel with Bel- I need I need a, a trilogy with Belina's <laughs> point of view because she was keeping it real all the yes. time. <laughs> okay, all and- right. So I just looked up this actress's uh, mm-hmm. voiceover work. Okay, and um, I think she was a puppeteer. She is the junk lady in Labyrinth. That's the voice. That's the voice. Oh, yeah. Was, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a pretty pencil case you have. Oh <laughs> my god. It. That oh my god. That's funny. That makes so much sense. Yeah, I love totally. It. Um I do have to say the puppet Belina like they matched that chicken. Yeah, like it, it looks, looks pretty good. Really good. Sometimes you can't even tell if yeah. it's a puppet or if it's a real chicken. No, that that puppet was immaculate, but the uh, but you know the other characters not so much, <laughs> unfortunately. But Belina was on point, yeah. uh, vocally and phys- physically <laughs> or visually. Yes, yes. Um, I think I think a lot of the puppet work was pretty successful. The one thing that I, the one puppet character that I really had a problem with is the scarecrow. That face. Oh no! Totally. Yeah. Sure. No, that was terrifying. Yeah, and I understand it was that they were matching the illustrations, and it does. It looks like the illustrations from the really old books, but the frozen face just wasn't working for me. No, um, but that's the thing for me that as well is like the the reason why the original was so great is because like there were actual humans mm-hmm. inhabiting these characters, and you could see the facial expressions. With these and like Jack and yeah. TikTok and uh, the Gump thingy, mm-hmm. like they're all like you know very like they're still they right. really, they don't have expressions. Right, right. I don't know. We lived for when TikTok went up those stairs. <laughs> We're just like, how are they going to get him up these stairs? And then he did it. And then he did it. I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my god, this poor actor. So I want to talk about TikTok. the actor that was in TikTok. His name is Michael Sundin. He's very handsome, and he was a gymnast. And he pretty much had to, I mean, he had to sort of fold himself in half and curl up inside of TikTok's body, and he had to walk backwards to make tiktok move forward and there was a little video monitor that showed him where he was going upside down and if you do a google on this actor it's very it's kind of depressing it's kind of sad because he was a gymnast and he got the role of tiktok and he ended up getting on a big uh uk children's show blue peter blue peter which is the origin of the Blue peter badges on uh, drag race uk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because the show's called Blue Peter and they give out Blue Peter badges to the kids who come on the show. And it's like this big British institution that we as Americans have no idea what it is. And we were like, what are Rue Peter badges? But they're Blue Peter badges. So Sundin was uh, gay and he was uh, pretty much fired for a few tabloid controversies because he was a pretty public the- He was a pretty public uh, person with the show. Right. And... Uh, there was a few tabloid controversies with him going out to gay bars, probably just out having fun, and it would show up in the papers of like the lecherous activities of this actor that was on a children's show. And also, people just used to write into the show complaining he was he was too effeminate, right? 
So, and then he ended up dying of AIDS in 1989. How old was he? He was like, I think he was like 28. Wow. And it's one of those oh. things that when you do, if like you're watching movies from this time, and this happens to, this happens kind of a lot when you're curious about a particular actor in a movie, and then you go down that Google rabbit hole, and then you're just like, oh, they died of AIDS. Yeah. Anytime an actor mm-hmm. from this era died under 30, you're like, oh. Yeah. It's like, um, I remember discovering that about Zed from Back to the Beach. Zed from Back to the Beach, mm-hmm. uh, David from uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Merritt Buttrick and then, from Square uh, Pegs. The cute guy in the wheelchair from Friday the 13th too. Yeah. So yeah, so just kind of just the sad reality of a lot of gay actors at this time. Yeah. I'm so sorry, guys. Like that's that's really bleak. And thank you for bringing us all <laughs> yeah. down. But I mean, I, I I just think that his story is just super fascinating, though. No, but because, but the thing is, like, yeah. I, I I saw the I saw like a YouTube video of um him actually in the TikTok, mm-hmm. like you know, like kind of you know, it's 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 so weird that that's what they decided to do for this particular character. Yeah, and I don't know if they specified like the actual like measurements of tiktok to fit somebody in there or like i don't know how that happened like yeah it's so bizarre because his legs are so wide set that it couldn't have been a little person Mm -hmm. a little person their legs wouldn't have fit in it to reach the ground so yeah and this is a time before now they would just have an actor standing straight up wearing the suit and and then a green jumpsuit on top and then just put the you know they can just do all these crazy things and you're just standing upright but in the 80s they had to do all this stuff practically and this movie is just filled with gymnasts and puppeteers (laughs) and mimes and all these people that had to figure out how to make it work on camera i mean i appreciate the practical effects of any movie Mm -hmm. and i miss that i wish that we could go back to that in a lot of a lot of ways yeah with current film and tv now but um but this one, this 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 guy in particular, like, it was so archaic. I feel. Yeah, um, it's like, what is the thought process there? Why can't they figure this out to make it a little it, bit more comfortable? Yeah, <laughs> it it was just bizarre to me. Yeah, but although that being said, TikTok is a beautiful character. This really cool steampunk. They gave a lot of design. expressions for his eyebrows and his eyes. Yeah, um, I think he's just a really cool iconic character. And as a kid, you are not thinking about the poor guy inside you're just like wow that little robot's walking around you know went on to ex- went on to inspire the social media app <laughs> obviously the inspiration for tiktok exactly yeah they has he has his um uh, redemption there yeah yeah but you know dorothy sees that like Oz is like in a shambles. You know, the Munchkin city is gone. She makes her way to, to Emerald City and it's completely like Tora. And, and when she left Oz, the Scarecrow was like the king of Oz. Yes. She left him. And now he's charge. gone. Yes. Well, yeah, because she finds everybody's turned to stone, but she can't even find like a stone Scarecrow. Um, and this is where we find TikTok. And this is where we first meet the Wheelers, who I love. So cool. The Wheelers kind of remind me... Of something that could have been out of the whiz. Yes. Like their styling, you know, th- their costuming, all of that. They very much remind me of that kind of whiz, you know, kind of metallic, you know. 
I was just gonna say, I think the wheelers remind me more of like Orange Clockwork. Yeah, they just it, you know just because of the orange. you know yeah yeah Clockwork Orange. Yeah, thank you. They're just terrifying, especially the one with like the balding hair. Yeah. And, yes, you know that he, that dude. Is that actor terrifying. is is one of the orderlies that is strapping Dorothy to mm-hmm. the gurney. So they do that. They do that thing where everybody's kind of has a counterpart. Was it our last episode? Oh, it was our it was our Muppet episode with Lex that you mm-hmm. get these very physical actors that probably worked in like pantomime. Yeah, and they're not like cute twinks. Like these are just regular looking dudes with like receding hairlines. Yeah, in the eighties, you, yeah, you could be a dancer and have like this great body. Very physical. That actor who you're talking about, his name is Pons Mar. And I remember Pons Mar because he is in a lot of movies playing weird, kooky characters like this. He's in Masters of the Universe. Who is he in Masters of the Universe? He's in a suit. So he was like the Doug Jones of his day. Kind of. Yeah, he kind of was. Um, And he's on one of the – I remember at the time there was a making of Return to Oz. It might have been on cable or something because I remember seeing it. As a kid, and he's in it. We watched it on YouTube, and he's in it, kind of talking about how, like, the physicality of the wheelers and what they needed to do to, because they were really rolling themselves yeah. around on these crazy, like, wheels and stilts and stuff. So, yeah, no, that I mean, I can't even imagine. I just like, I mean, I love to roller skate personally, mm-hmm. but to have to have you in that position that they are in, yeah. working both. Of the, the the hands and their feet, that's uh, like a yeah. physical feat, and it's just one big wheel on each on each appendage. It's not even like a set of wheels, so it's I don't mm-hmm. even know how that would work. And and these guys that are doing it, these stunt actors or you know mimes or circus performer, whatever they are, they're doing a hell of a job. Like mm-hmm. they're convincing, and the way they've got these helmets that in that hunched over stilted position. Their helmets face forward, and they've got these grotesque faces on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, so cool. I love it. That scene with one of them, I think the main guy, uh, looking through the door at yeah. Dorothy. Mm-hmm. So creepy. Yeah, very scary. And when she finds TikTok. Mm-hmm. There's also a moment when they're kind of, like, uh, running around looking for her, and they're talking to each other, and they, like, screech. Yeah. They're like screeching like birds or something. It's so weird. It's like, oh my god, that's so. Who thinks of this crazy crap? This portion of the movie reminds me of The Wiz in that regard. That the production design, it's a little like Urban Decay. Yes, like there's graffiti, graffiti everywhere, and yeah. you kind of got that from The Wiz. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I make a confession to you guys right now? Sure. You've never seen The Wiz. I I have never said <laughs> I've never seen The Wiz. So I used to love The Wiz when I would watch it on the Disney Channel as a kid, but it's a movie when you revisit it now, I cannot make it past the first maybe 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a chore to sit down and actually watch. The ending is pretty labored. There's really, It's very uh, front-loaded in the good songs mm-hmm. and, and all that, but yeah, it gets, it gets a little tedious after a while. We'll probably end up doing it on... On the podcast sooner or later. Yeah. But it's one of those movies from late 70s. Late 70s? Yeah. That the pacing is very different from what we're used to, and it shows. 
um, yeah. the pacing didn't age well. But Also, um, that brings up a, an interesting point because, like, I feel like The Wizard of Oz was such a musical, and this one clearly is not. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that really kind of changes the tone for people that are familiar with the original. Yeah. And the sequel, I think that, that might be the jarring point. Yeah. For a lot of people that didn't connect with it. Yeah, definitely. Originally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just... The creepy imagery that started with the wheelers and moves forward into, uh, you know, now we get into Princess Mombi's like chambers. This is very like when it turns into like Terry Gilliam's Brazil <laughs> when she's taking off her head and putting on all of uh, it's actually putting on her new head. It's actually more like Terry Gilliam's Baron Munchausen. Sure, this like mirrored hall. You know, I love when they go into this, like, crazy mirrored throne room and she's sitting there playing this little teeny mandolin or whatever it is. Just the music that's coming from the mandolin and just she's just sitting there alone. Like, that's just a very creepy scene in It's itself. very unsettling. Very unsettling. And then we have this crazy, like, peacock kind of inspired dress with these, like... Long like shards coming out of the shoulders. Don't get too close, Dorothy. You're gonna I get your eyes poked out by one of them. I love this costume. It's so no, cool. That was brilliant. That was a brilliant choice by yeah. whoever decided to do that. Because she kind of she wears that throughout. Like, yes, this is like a costume. When she is Mombi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love it, that. It just reminds me of something out of almost like anime or something. Just the way it has these these pieces. That are shooting out of her shoulders, you know, this this shoulder piece. And yeah, there's like a peacock motif in it. Um, Raymond Hughes did the costumes for yeah. this movie. But yeah, this is when, you know, it's it's this young girl in this crazy costume. She, she kind of looks like Amy Irving. She does look a little like mm-hmm. Amy Irving. Um, but she takes Dorothy, takes her to this long chamber. And in the chamber is a bunch of women's heads. And they're all looking in different directions. Yeah, and they're you all can see them moving. Mm-hmm. Very interesting the way they did it. Um, and she fully just says like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch it out. I'm gonna put I'm, on a different. I'm one. gonna use number four today. I'm use number four today. Love it. No, I love it. I mean, I wish I had like a hall of heads. I could like you know switch it out. <laughs> yeah, and then I could hook up with different guys, and they would know. There you go. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like that would be. I'd be like, yeah, five or two. Like you know, I would totally do that. Yeah, that's hot. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> but for like gay men, it would have to be like a whole upper upper torso <laughs> that you'd have to change out. True, but if but if you have a witch thing, yeah, I think you there could you magically uh, like do the pecs and the ass, there you whatever go. else you need to. So, but so you just need to worry about the face. There you like go. you, you know, you just got whatever your demographic you're going for in that particular day. I like it. <laughs> it's these. Po- it's we can talk about Oz the Great and Powerful later in the show because I do want to talk briefly about Sam Raimi's take on this material. But this section kind of reminds me of the Rachel Vice scenes of Oz the Great and Powerful. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. She immediately just kind of throws Dorothy, like, she keeps her in, in another room, locks her away. And this is where, uh, this is where Dorothy meets uh, Jack Pumpkinhead, right? And, yeah, she meets Jack. And this is also where we change over to Jean Marsh, who played Nurse Wilson. Well, we we haven't gotten there yet because her head is locked away. Oh, sure. We don't yeah. know. We don't know it's Nurse Wilson yet, you know. As the real, actual, like, 
Mombi Prime. Um, we just all we've seen is like the first one and and you know head number four. Um, but when we meet Jack Pumpkinhead, it's he's he's made of sticks. He's kind of scarecrow-ish, but with a jack o' lantern for a head. And yeah, his this puppet. There's not a lot of articulation in his face. Yeah, it pretty much just squeezes. It's in, o- it's yeah. operated and voiced by Brian Henson. Yes, who voiced Hoggle in Labyrinth? Son of Jim Henson. Yeah, I like this character. I think it's fun. It's very Nightmare Before Christmas. But yeah, there could have been a little bit more articulation in the face. But I mean, it's a jack o' lantern face, so I don't know how they would have animated that. Even if they had, you know, threw more money at it, I don't know what they could have done. To make yeah, that no. Face move. I get that, and actually, like uh, Jack Skellington is based off of this particular character from Nightmare Before Christmas, right? And I always, and I kind of think that maybe Tim Burton read The Wizard of Oz when he was a little boy, because <laughs> this character is sort of taken from the books, or, or at least the look of them. Yeah, at least the look, at least the illustrations. He probably really latched on to. We also. Uh, Okay, so Jack tells her that about the powder of life, and Dorothy gets this idea that okay, we got to get the powder of life. We're gonna like construct this crazy. You know, she sees the 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 moose head on a mount, and she just gets this idea to like string a bunch of couches together, stick the moose head on it, sprinkle the powder of life, and that's how we're gonna get away. All right, I guess. So. She's got to go get the powder of life. This is where, like, the scariest scene to me as a kid happens because she sneaks in. He says, it's a, he even tells her, like, it's in drawer number whatever. So she goes to the drawer, opens it up, and that's where she sees, like, Jane Marsh, Nurse Wilson's mm-hmm. head asleep in the, in the cabinet. Uh-huh. Tries to get the powder of life, and the head wakes up and starts screaming. Dorothy girl. <laughs> Oh my god! And then the headless body starts chasing her down the hall. Kind of the most Im- intense scene of the entire movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, we'll get there, but that's not the most intense scene for me personally. Uh-huh. But that's not the one that reduced me to tears, <laughs> hysterically crying. But I was glad that Dorothy got what she needed to get to get. Yeah all of her friends out of there. Cause the thing is the, for me, the theme about the wizard of Oz and return to Oz and what I love it is like the theme is friendship. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's always like, you nobody's left behind. Like you got to get all your people out and we're all going together as a team. Yeah. And especially in the first movie, each new friend uses something that's unique to them. To help them, and you get work to the together. End. Yeah, yeah. Dorothy, exactly. even though she could have clicked her heels and gone home, she needed to make that journey. Uh, yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, 
you know, yeah, she makes it back to the room, sprinkles this powder of life all over, you know, this gump creature and they make their escape and now it's like a now it's like a ride like they're flying through the air like they're on peter pan's flight yes yeah but i love how i love how they're like flying on like like these like tiny teeny palm leaves yeah on these big ass couches (laughs) sure (laughs) it's magic Yeah, those uh, those little palm leaves. I don't know if they can get the right lift needed for the for the weight under them. I, I, but whatever. <laughs> you know, they got they got what they needed to go. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, though that was that was ridiculous. Watch rewatching it now. At the time, yeah, you don't. When care. I first watched it, I was like, "Yeah, girl, yes, <laughs> fly away." <laughs> and this is when me as a viewer, because sometimes I'm slow on like the uptake for some of this stuff. That <clears throat> it finally clicked in this scene that. That it's like, oh, Dorothy, this is like the original gang, but they're all just sort of different versions of it. Yeah. And then you see the the guys in the little roller things, and they're like the flying monkeys. Yeah. So this is kind of when you as the viewer start to put all of those things together of that, okay, this is your core Oz gang. Yeah. They're just like analogies of their original mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. Because from here on out, Mombi really starts to use the wheelers. Like she has them like pulling her in this like chariot, which I love those scenes. That's that's that was for me, that's when I like I was I was destroyed. Like the 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 the, the fury and the chair that she was like whipping those wheelers yeah. with. Faster. And then the wheelers. Yeah. No, that is when I lost it completely in the theater. I and my mom like me out yeah and, and like to the lobby and like i chilled out and then we came back in but but those those scenes like i mean seriously like i'm not kidding like if 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 we had like an award show like called like the gazies um she would win best actress and belina would be Miss supporting actress in a comedy and musical yeah yeah it's a it's a scene that scares the shit out of you as a kid and then when you're a gay adult you're just like shaking your finger being like yes. i'm just like work yes work <laughs> no work yeah yes. yeah she's like faster and they're just like huffing and puffing like wheeling away that to me is very like Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. She's giving me very like White Witch, like you know, being pulled in this chariot because um, she knows she has to get to the Gnome King, which we've kind of we've kind of heard about the Gnome King. We see these images of the rocks. I want to know yeah. how they did those rocks. It's like a version of stop motion. Yeah, I think it's all. Yeah, it's all just stop motion. And um, the little faces that they're making, you know, in the rocks, and they're all reporting back to the Gnome King, and it's this like crazy deep, deep voice. And and Mombi, when now she has her normal Mombi head, her voice is crazy. She's doing this like she's doing this deep, deep, you know, gravelly version of her voice, and it's very cool. Especially because we found something on YouTube of that actress talking about it, and she just looked like this little British lady, just like I really hope that fans, you know, fall in love with Feruza because she's so good, and she's just blonde and just tiny little woman. And I'm just like. Wow, you are she's so amazing! Scary. <laughs> wow, yeah, she just had this smile on her face, just talking about how like she just hopes that kids love it. And, you know how wonderful Feruza is, and I'm just like acting, 
Wow. So good. That actress is so good in Willow, though. She like, really her, is. Her, like, granny bitch fight yeah. in Willow <laughs> yes. is so good. Yes. I'm going to have to revisit that. You need to, because that's another one. When they and have the old wearing, lady witch fight. And she's wearing this, like, fierce, like, cowl. This, like, medieval cowl in Willow. It's well, so good. Well, she's serving Evil Queen from uh, Snow White. Yeah. Because she's got the cowl mm. with the crown over it. You know, like, almost like a nun. Very cool. And I swore that she was um, one of the women from Dune, but it is not her. No, it looks like her, but it's not her. Um, so we make it to the Gnome King's like lair. And, oh, another thing is that they keep, like all the rock people keep mentioning the chicken. They're very much like, ah, the chicken, like, there's a chicken. And you're like, why? What the fuck? Like, why do they, like, hate this chicken so much? So the whole time that we're at the Gnome King's lair, Belina is, like, inside of, like, Jack Pumpkinhead's jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. Hidden. Um, The Gnome King is crazy. Yeah. This character, I don't even know where to begin with, <laughs> I don't even know. Who is this actor that plays him? He, okay, the actor that plays him was Merlin in Excalibur. Oh, For sure. all you nerds, uh, like mega nerds out there, the old, uh, what is it, 81, 1980 Excalibur. The John Borman Excalibur. The John Borman Excalibur. Sure. He was Merlin. His name is Nicole Williams. Um, Oh, yeah, because yeah, he plays the doctor at the beginning. Yeah, and he's also Dr. Worley from the very beginning. Oh, he's in The Exorcist 3. Oh. Shout out to Keep It Weird. Ashley loves Exorcist 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Exorcist 3 is so weird. Do you love that movie? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, no, that, that's a bizarre trip, but we, we don't have time to unpack no, that here. No, no, not at all. Um, but, you know, it's it's this thing that they're doing with the gnome king where he starts off just being like a face in the rock almost like rock biter from never ending story yeah and the more uh the longer they're there and um you know he gives them this task to try and find the scarecrow and they have to like find the right you know ornament in this room and if they don't pick the right one then they get turned into an ornament themselves and each time one of them gets turned into an ornament he comes he becomes more human Mm-hmm. Until he's fully just the actor in like rock rock face makeup, and this is when he's like, "Oh, hmm, hmm, are you looking for these?" Hmm, and the little twinkle toes. <laughs> we like we, we ruby cack- slippers. We cackled when we watched that. Oh. I mean, I I love the reveal of the ruby slippers. Oh my I mean, God. it's just like, girl. <laughs> What you trying to do? This cross dresser is just like looking, 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 for, these. looking for these. <laughs> I want the like Fred Flintstone bowling, like twinkling noise, like tick tick tick. Totally. Oh totally my god! And that. he like lifts up his little like rock robes. He even he even sort of does uh, the little shoe pose that Judy did. Yes. Yeah. In the original very, movie. Yeah, harkens back to like the way the like the little shoes are like on display. And again, this is something from the MGM movie that in the novels or books, I guess, they're silver slippers, silver shoes. And um I think the production just knew that they had to they had to get those ruby slippers from MGM. Yeah. And um 
in the extreme close-ups, they do look like they're like stoned, like they're like they're stones on them. But I feel like I've seen versions where they're just kind of like sequins. They look like sequins, but yeah. uh, but I'm saying, but it's, it's still important to like tie the two sh- movies together. Yeah, you know that they have that callback to it, but. Um, it's just so gay, the way that he's like, oh, oh he lifts his little God. skirt up. Yeah. This queen is just like... <laughs> and then when he, like, tucks the shoes back in really quick, too, <laughs> yeah, that's... No, totally. Every little, like, movement is just <laughs> so, like... Yeah, it's just super queeny. I love it. <clears throat> and, and I I'm, I'm just I just wanted to preface this by saying I don't like to use adjective as, adjective as gay or anything. Yeah, but yeah. But that was... Legitimate. <laughs> yes. It's pretty gay. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you didn't come back to these? My booby slippers. No, no, no. My ruby slippers. They just fell out of the sky one day. You were so anxious to get home. They're very powerful. Made it possible for me to conquer the Emerald City. Yeah, and it's played 100% serious. This little girl is not just like, what? What? <laughs> She's just like, oh, those are my shoes. She's not like, what is this dude doing? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that I can imagine is some sort of like robot chicken or like. Saturday TV Funhouse episode where the other characters are kind of in the background going, He's really wearing those shoes. <laughs> what about this dude? Um, but yeah, so every time, you know, somebody makes a wrong choice in the, you know, in the secret room, he becomes more and more human. But then, like, TikTok has this great idea that he's going to, like, wind himself down in there so that they have to send Dorothy in. And I'm telling you, after this movie came out, me and, like, all of my friends who were girls in elementary school would just like run around like anything that we found that was green. We would just like touch it and just like, ah, no, it didn't work. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. The boys didn't care, but the girls, my girl, all my cousins would just be like, hmm, let's do it. <laughs> this is really the scene where I noticed the details in TikTok's face because they gave him these beautiful green eyes. Yeah, the the they're mm-hmm. like... They're like emerald, stone, yeah, emerald, like like, yeah. Opal, like yeah. green opals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't mention like TikTok has his, you know, he's clockwork. Yeah, you know, he's a. I mean, isn't that his description, like the clockwork man of Oz or something? Um, so he needs to be wound up, and that harkens back to the you know electricity machine from Doctor Worley's office had these like mm-hmm. little keys that you would turn, but his keys are on the back, and so somebody else needs to wind them up. Does. Does the Gnome King kind of offer Dorothy like, oh, yeah, he says like, well, I'll just send you home now. Yeah. Like, I've got the shoes. Like, you don't need your friends. Well, he does. But the thing is, like, his um, offer is that, like, you can go home, but you're going to forget everything about Oz. Right. It's going to basically erase your memory yeah. of this thing. Yeah. So, and, and obviously she doesn't want to do that because she has such, you know, such a tie to it. Yeah. And she That's, has to have I her mean, friends, too. That's well, who she is. Yeah. And then the other thing is that we don't really know until Mombi gets there and he just kind of says it in passing, but he's just like, 
with every wrong answer. Oh, uh, if she's the last person to remember Oz, then I will become human. Mm-hmm. So that's his plan. That's why he turned everybody in the Emerald City to stone. And that's why he's trying to get rid of Dorothy and have her forget about Oz. Because once no one remembers that Oz existed, then he will become human. And he is becoming more and more human by you know every little person in there. But I feel like we don't even kind of get that until Mombi gets there, and he's kind of like explaining it to her. Um, I feel like we could, we might have, maybe we should have known that <laughs> a little earlier. No, that that's. I mean, that would have been a good end game yeah. to to like specify. But yeah. at the same time, though, like you really see it when um, you know when she finally gets into the room with TikTok. And you start seeing him kind of degrading back into this rock person. Yes, that's when you notice it. Because at yeah. first you don't even notice that that's what's happening. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, he's just turning himself more into a person. But then he says it, and you know, and then he starts turning back after she starts bringing everybody back. When she figures out it's all of the green ornaments in the room are Oz, Oz citizens. I love when she figures it out, and she's just like, okay, find everything green, and then. And then they start bringing everybody back to life. Um, but this is where we f- uh, find out why he's so afraid of chickens. Because their eggs are poisonous to the gnomes? Um, <laughs> is he vegan? Is, he, <laughs> like, is there a fear of dairy? Yeah. I this is, don't and this know. is also one of those things that you Salmonella. can tell that these books were written a very long time ago. Yeah. Just these weird plot points yeah, that were yeah. probably just lifted right from the book. Yeah. I mean, fear of Salmonella, who knows? But um, <laughs> he's trying to like swallow Jack and he doesn't know Belina's in there. She finally lays an egg, falls down his throat and he completely disintegrates and all the gnomes like go away and uh, she gets the ruby slippers back. No, I mean, like, honestly, like, I feel like I need justice for Belina because <laughs> she saved everybody's sad. She did. Yeah, by, she did. By planting that egg in him. But, I don't, but the thing is, I don't understand why he was so anti. I mean, he could have been lactose intolerant. <laughs> However, um, eggs are okay if you're lactose intolerant. That's true. Me. Yeah. Because I, I kind of have a little that. I have a little that. Uh, but, uh, like, Miss Belina, she deserves his. She deserves something. She deserves credit. Um, there is a really cool scene though when you know after Mombi does get there and she's just trying to explain herself to him and he's just like, "Oh, you let her get away and all that," and he puts her in a cage. You know? Yeah. No, and, I love that. Yeah, and she's just kind of, and it's a stand up cage, so she's like can only stand. She can't even. You know, she can turn around, but that's it. And this is where we get all of the Emerald City crowd shots. Yes, Dorothy. They're pretty she, impressive. When she puts the ruby slippers back on, I guess the deal with the slippers is that you can just make a wish and it'll grant the wish, right? Because she, because now she's full on like taking orders. She's just like back to the Emerald City and everybody back from Oz, and like, she's just throwing more and more stuff in there. Um. And so when they get back there, it's like the Emerald City's back to life. And yeah, we get these crazy crowd scenes. But also, I got to mention that, um, like, I feel like this movie might have been like a mashup of 
like Alice in the Looking Glass, like because there's so many mirror elements, yes, like for sure, on the ceilings everywhere, and even the floor. You know, obvi- with with uh, the floor, Ozma, like there's so many, like there's so many mirrors everywhere, yeah. like reflection. Yeah, it's a big mo- it's a big motif in in the movie. It's I feel like it's the first time she sees Ozma at the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah, uh, it is. I'm gonna say it's a little jarring to see the the lion in live action. This Tin Woodsman creature. That, that shot of Feruza on the back of that lion. Yeah. So we were looking at an interview that Feruza Balk did in the early 2000s, probably right when they reissued the DVD for this movie. That she was just remembering memories of shooting this movie because she can still remember a lot of this movie because it just made such a big impression of her. Yeah, I mean, because it was 11. such a it was such a big part of her life, mm-hmm. and she fainted because the sound stage that they were shooting in. It had that many extras, and it was like 120 degrees that she fainted on the back of the lion. Wow. In one of the shots. Well, there's probably, with all the studio lights and then yeah. all the mirrors reflecting all that light. All of those people in one room. Yeah, that's insane. But there's a lot of really cool costume design in there. And all these creatures, again, are... Uh, inspired directly by the illustrations from the old books and so you see like we were saying in the 1939 version the tin man is it's like a stage production you know it's like how would we put on the wizard of oz well you're going to get in the suit we're going to paint your face silver but in this they decided okay the tin woodsman it literally looks like the illustrations Mm -hmm. you know no no it, it it does actually and it's interesting to see it especially in 1985 and as a kid to see how they would bring that to life, you know? Um, but it is also kind of a little weird, a little jarring. Um, and again, this is where we really get the scarecrow and that crazy face, that frozen face with these big eyes and everything. The scarecrow was horrifying to me. Like, I mean, on the rewatch that I yeah. just did, like, like, I'm like, Oh my God, that's, that's not. I mean, because the thing is, like, at least the Tin Man and the Lion make sense mm-hmm. in the fact of the way that they were rendered for this particular movie. But the Scarecrow not having any expression because, like, the guy who played the actual Scarecrow in the original was so expressive, mm-hmm. and that was a thing. Yeah, you know. And the thing about Ray Bolger, who played him in the original, he was a very thin and wiry guy, and so when he was in the Scarecrow costume, he didn't look overly bulky because he was so thin to begin with. Um, Like C-3PO, when you're in a suit, it automatically, it's over your body, so it's going to make you look even bulkier. So getting like a thin little guy to do it. And this one, it just looks like a regular dude, like in a suit. Like it looks like a costume. It it makes Mm -hmm. me think that if maybe the Henson company was more hands-on with this movie, they could have put a little more expression in that face. Yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. And then Jack, I think, too, there were different techniques that they used. Like, sometimes it was a a skinny guy in a suit, and then sometimes it was like a full-on puppet, you know, to make it look a lot more like like branches and stuff. So they kind of used different things to, like, trick you. When he's sitting on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that was cool, the way they were able to do it that way. Um, but you know, we get this whole scene where everybody's just like, Oh, Dorothy, you know, 
you got to stay this time. You got to stay and be the Queen of Oz. And and what? Marry the Scarecrow? I don't know. Um. <laughs> and meanwhile, I mean, it does kind of bother me when people criticize the 1939 movie of that. Why would you why would you want to go back? Yeah. But, but I mean, her home life in the 1939 one seems pretty happy for the most part. Her yeah. home life in this movie seems pretty miserable, so I would definitely be staying in Oz. I know. It's <laughs> like that, like, farmhouse, like, it's half-built, like, Aunt Em is just like, stop talking about Oz, like... <laughs> <it's>... Well, <laughs> I I have to interject in one thing, though. Like, for the thing with Dorothy, and the reason why I really resonate with her, is mm. that she is, like, the queen of loyalty. Yes. Yeah. So, she is going to go back to the people. True. Like, she, that's the thing that for me, you know? Yeah. And anybody that's my friend that knows me, like, you know, you, you, you call me three in the morning, you have to hide a dead body. Yeah. I'm there for you. <laughs> so, yeah. like, that's the thing. And especially in the original, they kept that throughout. They kept reminding us that she wants to go home to Antem. You know, they yeah. kept remind. You know, they kept bringing it back that what she's doing this entire mission is to get home. In this movie, her mission is to find the scarecrow. Mm-hmm. You know, so we don't really have that. Like, oh, but I also have to get home to you know, um, back to Kansas. Um, so they, I think they did that more in in the the thirty nine version. But you know, when they do say at the end of this one, stay, Dorothy, stay, become the Queen of Oz, stay with us. That's when she's just like, well, no, like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm obviously going to go home. Um, and somebody said, I don't know if she says it or somebody says like, oh, I wish you could be two places at once. And that's when we kind of get this idea um, of Ozma kind of being like her counterpart. Mm-hmm. She's like her, her Oz surrogate. Yeah. And that's when this reflection thing comes into play. So maybe maybe she can somehow return to Oz through the reflection? I or, don't know. No, or, or maybe Ozma, maybe this girl that she kept seeing in the mirror helping her out the entire time was her. You know? And maybe that would have played out a little bit differently if they didn't cast a different blonde actress. It's very That's very like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, you know, I think maybe it could have the idea was that well, it was really you helping yourself. You kept seeing this reflection and thinking that it was another little girl helping you, but really well, it's also, it was you. It's also the same thing that they said, like Linda said in the first movie. It was like, okay, you had the power all along, yeah, within you, yeah, to do it. So that that could be like that. But I, I mean, I never noticed that to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean. Because she does pull her out of the mirror, you know. She's like, "Help yeah. me, get, help me come out from the glass," and the, and she says, "I wish I could be two places in what at once." So it's like, well, now this little girl, she's going to stay. This is Ozma. She's going to stay and and become the queen of Oz because her father was the king before the wizard, you know, arrived. So she's going to stay there, and Dorothy can can go home with Belina. We have a friend that named his band after Ozma. Well, their band is called Ozma. Their, their band is called Ozma. Uh, we is, there any, is there any connection to that, though? Well, the official story is that they opened up a dictionary or an encyclopedia. I have known a person named Ozma. I don't know what the connection is there or not. I didn't ever get a chance to ask, but uh, I do like it. Yeah, it's a cool name. 
But um, I love the styling of this character when she comes out of the mirror because that is straight from the illustrations. She looks like this Art Nouveau kind of like, you know, design with like the headband and like the the hair, like the Princess Leia buns and like all of that. It is like directly out of these like turn of the century, you know, illustrations. I, I love that about that, that, that character design. No, no, the, the actress was beautiful and, uh, I love like the Oz, like that was on her headband, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Which, which was on the, the key that Dorothy found, which was like her kind of like, you know, clue that, that her friends are, you know, in, that her friends are in trouble and she needs to go back to begin with. Um, yeah, the OZ kind of motif is, is yep. really fun. So. She does make it back. She wakes up on the the riverbed. And I love that we... It's not really um, shoved in your face, but the whole thing about Uncle Henry was that he had broken his leg and he he stopped working on the house even though he's better. And maybe he's just depressed. Maybe he's just like, we live in the Dust Bowl in the turn of the century and, and this is awful. But... When he's he sees her because Toto finds Dorothy, and when he runs over, you, it's a blink and you miss it. But he's got a cane and he throws it, and then yeah. he goes and picks up Dorothy, and he lifts her up and walks away carrying her. No, I totally noticed that. Yeah. Actually, I was like, okay, you're throwing away. I mean, I wasn't sure if it was just like a stick that he ran and had, <laughs> or if it was just like walking cane. You know, yeah. he just like chucked that shit, and he's like Dorothy. He's pulling the Willy Wonka. He's doing like. Tumbles to, yeah. <laughs> to go pick her up. But yeah, so there, there was plenty of able men around true. that time that could have actually picked her up had he had an actual like <laughs> leg issue. So like, you know, whatever. But I mean, insane. yeah, I guess they're illustrating that like his love for Dorothy is making him is bringing him out of this, you know depression or, or what have you. But really it's just like, you could have milked this a little bit longer. uncle. <laughs> you could have had these men come and build a barn for you. So the asylum was the hospital struck by lightning oh, and it goodness. burned down. So it's actually good that Dorothy, like yeah, it's went good that they ran out away. of that place and she jumped in the river. Yeah. And, uh, the doctor ended up just running in to save all of his equipment and he died. He went in to save his machines. And the nurse we see getting carted off. But what but why did she get that's the why, thing it's what like, did she do? why what did why did she was charged with something that like I don't know. I mean I, I know yeah. she, like that's the that's the mystery to me. Like I I you know, she's like in the paddy wagon and you know, clutching the bars as she walked as they drove her by. Mm-hmm. But like what was her criminal Offense. Situation. Yeah. yeah. This is what's confusing to me, too. I'm like, wait a minute. What did she do? I don't know. Maybe there's some crooked, shady dealings going on at Dr. Warley. I mean, they are electrocuting people. So <laughs> maybe maybe the authorities just got wind of that. They had ads in the newspaper about electrocuting mm-hmm. people. Yeah. I mean, I would get electrocuted today. Like, I mean, come <laughs> on. But I need to know it's from a reputable source. This is true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she does get she gets carted off in we, the back of that we kind wagon. Of, we leave Mombi and Nurse Wilson kind of they're that's where the characters are left in they're, both yeah, reality their fate is and the same. Oz. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because in that whole parade in the Emerald City, Mommy mm-hmm. is there in that cage. Yeah. She's and so are and so are the wheelers. There's like a wheeler or two in that I didn't see the wheelers. There's one. I, I think it's the main wheeler. And he's not in a cage. He's just there. Wow. Very interesting. That kind of recalls the old grim fairy tales where like the evil stepmother and her sisters are like drug out in like the town square at the end of that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so we understand why Mombi's in this cage, but it's unclear what 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 happened to Nurse Wilson. But hey, she, she knows she knows what she did. She knows what she yeah, she knows what she did. But um So yeah, so but now we cut back to the barn, to the farm and the house is completely like, you know, be, becoming finished by Uncle Henry and they're off to live Happily ever and it after. makes me think that when you see Ozma in that reflection, that she'll still have some connection to Oz through this mirror. I guess it's it just kind of it's left open, right? Well, you can't just close the book and be like, "Well, I forgot about Oz," because she, mm-hmm. yeah, she ha- it's a, it's still a kid story, so kids want to have that that connection. So she does see her in the in the reflection when she calls Aunt Em to come look. Ozma's like, "Oh no, don't like, don't tell anybody about this." Like. They're just going to find another, like, shock therapist. <laughs> but can can I tell you right now that, okay, that ending of her and Toto running out into the middle of nowhere yeah. is so depressing. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I not that I needed a big crescendo or yeah. whatever, but, like, that, that ending, like, I'm like, wow. That's all I'm I saying. Did, I, speechless. Baby should have stayed notch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there. It kind of shows it at the beginning when they are first on their way to Doctor Worley. You know, they pass through this little teeny town, and the town is like two buildings. Yeah, and it's like it I takes mean, them hours to get there. I mean, probably. I've seen I've seen towns like that. Yeah, we've seen towns like that nowhere. driving through Montana. Um, and Dorothy's just like, "Well, I've never been past this. Is the farthest I've ever been before." You know, and then they just keep driving to, you know, to wherever this this really cool Victorian mansion is where, you know, Dr. Worley was. But, yeah, at the end, it's it's this happy ending. We're back. You know, the house is being finished. And, yeah, Dorothy and Toto are just like, let's go frolic. In It, it just feels so anticlimactic at, the, at that point to <laughs> yeah. me, which I didn't realize until today when I watched it. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Maybe as kids we didn't notice that we were we were just so we just had like residual trauma from you know the headless woman chasing us down the hall. One hundred percent, yes. <laughs> we're we're just cool. happy it's done. I mean, to kind of uh, finish up this episode, I kind of like traumatizing children with movies. From the I 80s. love, I love that shit. Yes. They need to do that more. I felt like Robert Zemeckis's The Witches, his new one kind of like was a little return to that, but I want to see more of it in movies. Kids are too soft. They need to be toughened up. (laughs) No, darling. Yes, absolutely right. They need to be rough. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I have really strong memories of of this, of the of the Dark Crystal, of the Secret of Nim. Yeah. You know, of that cat and the Secret of Nim used to scare the shit out of me. Very scary. Um, even, you know, gremlins. You oh know. yeah. No, d- gremlins could, could be terrifying to yeah. anybody, yeah. I but always, I still want one. I always tell Pete, um, Cloris Leachman in the canon classics, Hansel and Gretel just used to scare the shit out of me. 
<laughs> but I but I lived for it. Like I loved it. Yeah. And kid, yeah, and kids like to be scared. You know, we liked. No, we want the thrill. Yeah, yeah. We As liked... a child, you you want you want like that's the reason why we do what we do. Like mm-hmm. we like we love these movies because they always give us a thrill of some sort. Yeah. So we got to go for that. Yeah, for sure. And I just don't feel like children today have to have that they don't they don't have that inherent need to look for a thrill yeah because they can open their phone or their ipad <laughs> they're so overly stimulated right yeah. yes yeah exactly they, they, so everything's because like you know like i had to search for things yes i and not on the internet like i had literally had to do the legwork and whatever so you know yeah if we wanted to watch this movie we had to wait for our parents to take us to the video store and for them to even say, okay, you get to pick a movie this time, you know, and then decide, well, I'm going to watch this. And maybe you have the type of parents that said, well, you saw that already get something else. But it's like, but I want to watch it again, <laughs> you know. Or if, you know, we didn't always have cable, but we would have it from time to time. So sometimes we would have it and sometimes we wouldn't. So if we mm-hmm. did have it, then it's like, oh, shit, this is coming on. Like, I got to see it. Um, do you remember the made-for-television Alice in Wonderland. Yes. It was a musical. Yes. With Carol Channing. With Carol Channing. Yes. And that Jabberwocky. Yes. So scary. (laughs) If you watch it today, it is clearly a guy in a suit. It looks like those, it looks like those T-Rex costumes with the little fan (laughs) that blows up the T-Rex. It looks like that. But second grade Pete watching this on CBS or whatever with my sister, we screamed and ran around the living room and were just like, ah, <laughs> lost our fucking minds. And I love it. It was over two nights and it was two <laughs> days in a row. And the whole next day at school, I ju- that day was just gone. Whatever we learned just did not. All day I was just like, got to get home. Got to make it to eight o'clock tonight for fucking part two <laughs> through the looking glass. Oh my god, all day. And it started out at the beginning of part two was just like yesterday on Alice in Wonderland. And they put in a little bit of the jabberwocking. We screamed and ran around. And that is, you know, it was an event. And it was just like nowadays it would be something that we could just pull up on our iPad and go to Disney Plus and just, or go to YouTube, whatever. Totally. Did you ever see The Babes in Toyland with uh, Drew Barrymore? We were just watching it this last <laughs> December. Christmas. And that oh my movie God. is fucking bizarre. <laughs> yes. No, totally. No, like, I mean, back in the day, I don't know what the fuck these people were doing. Yeah. Like, they're crazy. And especially they for that movie that even as a child when you're watching it, and it's easy to kind of point out the stuff as an adult, that this is a production made in Munich. So there's something yeah. not quite there's something so artificial about it when you watch it as a kid but you can't quite put your your finger on it yeah that's because it's a european production that yeah. you just sort of get these weird visuals totally same with never ending story i was gonna say never ending story i definitely remember being a kid and having to psych myself out okay we're gonna get to the scary wolf it, it's just a it's just a really quick scene yeah you'll you'll get over it just like just get through it because i love this movie but you have to get through that scene yeah no that that movie is so bizarre in so many ways yeah i mean i love it 
it, that too is like one of my favorite movies as a child. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, yeah, and especially when um, Atreo's horse. When that dies. damn horse just gives up on life and just, and oh my God, that it's, 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 scarred me for life. Soul destroying, yes. <laughs> and when he's uh, in between those. Uh, those sphinxes, sphinx with the giant titties, with, the, with those giant, with those giant titties <laughs> that are shooting out laser beams. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the thing. They, they, these movies from the from the eighties that were made for families and children. It's like we don't, we would never get a kids movie with that kind of imagery in it mm-hmm. today. People would no, no, be up in arms. Today. Yeah, it's it's so sanitized. Yeah, and uh, I mean, not that that's a good, that not that that's a bad thing, yeah. but. Um, it's just that they're a lot more sensitive. We're back in the day. They clearly just didn't give a fuck. And they were like, okay, <laughs> uh, we're going to do whatever we got to do to get the story told. Yeah. Do we want to address a little bit about the Sam Raimi take on this material? Cause that's the thing with Disney and Oz is that every few decades they break it out and they try to make it work again. And return to Oz was a pretty decent hit, but it didn't really have the staying power. And I remember seeing in NIMAX and enjoying it. But and also for that movie. Wait, you mean you said Return to Oz? You mean? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I meant Oz the Great and Powerful, Oz the, Great and Powerful. Uh, yeah. the Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, because that's the thing is that Disney always tries to make this material work again, and for that movie in particular, Sam Raimi really drilled in. We we are going to try to make a sequel to the 1939 movie because those are yeah. all of the visuals from that. So it's kind of doing the exact opposite that Return to Oz did. <coughs> Well, for me, I absolutely hated that movie. Mm-hmm. It just it it was so CGI to death. Sure, yeah. And the thing is, like, that's what makes the other two movies so charming is that they have like a lot of practical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just was I don't know. Like, I would rather see like I mean, if have you guys ever? You I'm sure you've seen Wicked on Broadway. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I would rather see that. Like televised or, right. you know, put into a movie, but but the Oz, great and powerful, was horrible. And my biggest issue was also like Michelle Williams wigs. I cannot <laughs> deal with the I can I cannot deal with the bad wig. Yeah, I hate when bad wigs happen to good people. <laughs> and my whole thing with like the casting of Mila Kunis in that movie that you have to cast an actress that can do the witch cackle. Like, if you have to bring in someone else to do the ADR for the cackle, maybe they're not right for the role. <laughs> amen, amen. No, she was she was wrongly cast. Yeah, and it's not, I think she was mm-hmm. she was coming off the heat from Black Swan, possibly. Sure. I don't know. And it's one of those things that I I I kind of like the movie, but like I mentioned, it's just kind of forgettable. Like you just don't really remember yeah. it. I only remember Michelle Wiggs' horrible wigs. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, I f- I forget about it a-, a lot too, and I think it's it's um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's the thing that it's live action characters inserted into digital environments that's just so jarring, and and yeah, people aren't really, I don't know, yeah, I don't know, I don't know about the casting, I don't know we'll about see, James Franco. We'll see what kind of an Oz property Disney Plus will do in a few years because <laughs> I'm sure that they'll do something because well, they have to hang on to the rights of those books. I know it's not with Disney, but isn't uh, a Wicked film adaptation well, that's, like happening? That's at universal. Some, 
And I'm point. curious of what is going to happen to that because that was originally being developed with Stephen Daldry. And Stephen Daldry had crown commitments because he's a showrunner on The Crown. Okay. And also, <clears throat> Wicked's original theatrical date was taken by Cats. Like, that was supposed to be the big musical wow. of 2019. And then they fast-tracked Cats. And we saw how that went. So I'm curious of what the status of the Wicked movie is now. Now that Cats was such a huge disaster and it cost them a lot of money. They're probably not super jazzed about sure. throwing another $100 million into a Broadway musical. Did you guys watch? Did you actually watch Cats? Yes. We saw it in the theater. Oh. <laughs> I it, so I don't know. I it's pretty just, bad. Okay. I it's, figured. Yeah. Just based on the trailer alone, I was like, that's It's crazy. Not good. We just felt like we had to kind of see it to make a an informed opinion and i it. went into it with somewhat of an open mind that like i yeah. even love terrible things and i don't even think it's even that i think that all of these straight people that are trying to make rowdy cat screenings a thing will not be around in a few years i mean they already aren't around yeah i mean it's it's bad and it's like laughable but it's it's just kind of not it's not bad enough to be fun to watch. It's not even like you inspired know? bad. Yeah, too. yeah. There's no, some, I got it. Yeah, some levels of that where it's just like, oh, it's so terrible. It's like at least we can sit around and make fun of it. It's not even that. It's just like, mm, um, just taking up space. And I feel like its failure shouldn't really inform how successful uh, a Wicked adaptation could be because I think Wicked is completely a different. Totally. You know, yeah phenomenon uh and people still uh you know really love and embrace the material so i think i think it, i think it could work um i we'll think see, it'll work really we'll see well see how dear evan hansen does later in the year oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> so i mean do we have any you know final thoughts on uh on return to oz and the phenomenon of you know, we'll definitely movie. be returning to Wizard of Oz too. This yeah, is not our sure. last Oz. Episode. No, we're going to do a proper uh, episode yeah. on, on the thirty-nine version. But Golden, yeah. what do you what do you have any final uh, final thoughts on? Um, I just mm-hmm. feel like uh, you know, Mombi, the actress who played her, mm-hmm. was outstanding, completely terrifying. <laughs> Uh, second to Margaret Hamilton from the original, mm-hmm. and Belima or Belina is my bitch. Okay, <laughs> she is saying everything I would say. I had been there. So yeah, I didn't really grow up in this movie, and I'm mm-hmm. glad that I've discovered it as an adult, and I can appreciate this movie now that I think this movie came along in 1985 when it was released and audiences didn't really know what to do with it initially. And they sort of had to warm up to it. And I think it's a movie that ages really well, that you can really appreciate that this movie was trying to do something different. It was trying to, it was being ambitious. It just wasn't trying to make a carbon copy of the 39 movie because that's what audiences wanted. They're trying to do something new. And I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, definitely. And it just, it came at the perfect time for a home video kind of, you know, 
uh, welcoming. You know, people latching onto it on 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 home video and cable and all that. And now, uh, now it's available on Disney Plus. If you subscribe to Disney Plus, you can yeah, go ahead that's and, the thing and, is and give that it a now watch. There's kids that are just looking for maybe they've finished all of WandaVision and they're just looking for something something old to watch that they yeah. just want to discover. And I yeah. think that kids today would find this movie a trip. It like we just watched an interview that Faruza did that I mentioned earlier, and she said in that that she still gets people come up to her every day that just say how much this movie meant to them, too. And it was just a, a huge part of their childhood. I would mention it if I ever mm-hmm. met Faruza. <laughs> and it just sounds like she really appreciates that because she also like holds this movie very close because it was mm-hmm. her first introduction to acting, and like what a movie to have your introduction your, yeah. to showbiz with your first. Yeah, your first feature. Big. This is a big movie, Hollywood movie magic production. I love Feruza Balk. She's yeah, a treasure. She's great. she's great. But um, yeah, we definitely recommend going out and, and seeking this movie out if you haven't already seen it. Um, we all love it, obviously. But it is available on Disney Plus if you are a subscriber. So go check that out. Uh, Golden, this was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you guys for having me. I had so much fun. As always, you all the best. <laughs> Moi. Yeah, you too. Uh, this was this was great. We'd love to have you on again in the future. Mm-hmm. But until then, it's time to say uh, our goodbyes. And uh, until next time, bye. 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 And thank you so much for listening, everybody. That was a really fun show. First Oz episode. I love. Can't wait to do more. Yeah, can't wait to do more. We're gonna do the original eventually. And I eventually want to do the Wiz too. Yeah, I think we because the Wiz is a trip. We need to talk about it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But um, I think it's that time for us to take a moment and to give some shout outs to our Patreon. Love Patreon shout outs. Indeed, we want to say a big hello and thank you to Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Josh. Uh, Emma Lamelli, Aaron, Melinda and Jim, Jessica, John, Nick, Christina, and Rufino. The list keeps growing. I just got a big stack of postcards from Redbubble that I need to sh- send out for the Patreon. Because when you join Patreon at any level, you get a movie postcard. Yes. I've been trying to do them about once a month. Handwritten postcard from us. But thank you for being a friend, all of our lovely Patreon patrons. Uh, if you want to check us out, go to www.patreon.com slash movies that made us Hey, check out the fun tiers and you can we have our watch with us alternate movie commentaries movie commentaries they're a lot of fun hit play on the movie hit play on the podcast and watch with us as we yak along to clueless empire records beetlejuice scream scream and many more where that came from uh you can also find us on social media we are on facebook and instagram at movies that made us gay and on twitter at mtmug pod yes indeed we would love it if you would rate and review Give our show five stars use five stars and write us a fun good positive review you can find me on instagram and facebook and oh and twitter at peter lasagna and I'm Oscar Scott on Twitter, Scott Youngbauer on Instagram, and just Scott Youngbauer on Letterboxd. See what I'm watching. Yes, indeed. Until next week, thanks so much for coming, everybody. Bye. Bye.